All right. Welcome to the Redemptification Podcast. Um, thank you for listening in. I've got a special guest here in Lawrence Sheffield. And Lawrence and I, we met several years ago. I think the last time we met, I was probably 100 pounds heavier. Not that much, but at least a fifth grader heavier. Um, so it's been several <laughs> years. And uh, I, we had met actually at Generous Giving. Um, for those who don't know about Generous Giving, it's a it's a great organization that focuses on generosity. And uh, I was really, um, I was really actually motivated, I guess is the best way I could say it, by, by Lawrence's story. Um, and Lawrence, I don't want to jump in, but why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got started and um, what was originally Magic City and now it's manufactured good. Well, thanks for having me, Ty. Yeah, we uh, I definitely remember chatting with you um, a, a couple of years ago, and I didn't know you lost that much weight, man. I uh, got to get some tips from you later on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was a fireman coming right out of high school, and um, I did not go to the traditional you know college route. So I'm a I'm a blue collar kind of guy. Came out, went to the fire service, um, met my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ there when I was um, I was pretty I was in, stuck in a rut. So um, at 20, I lost my dad suddenly. I was struggling with you know who God was. I, I wasn't a believer. Had a lot of people say a lot of things about him to me. You know, going through that 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 hard time and and then um at a couple of years later a co-worker who i respected sat me down shared the good news and then you know everything in my life changed so i became a christian actually um saturday was 12 years ty so 12 years ago i became a believer and uh one of the first verses i read was matthew 4 19 and it was jesus talking to an ordinary pack of fishermen saying follow me and and we'll change the world i'll teach you how to fish for men and yeah you know i don't know if y'all know many firemen but you know most firemen have side gigs and mine was woodworking and um i wanted to be a fisher of men i i cared a lot about serving the community and and the kind of the blue collar trades and I just, I started meeting person after person that was in need of a job. Um, they were in need of, of, of purpose. And yeah, I mean, it started as organically as me just doing some woodworking projects with some young guys that were stuck in a rut. And 10 years later, you know, here we are. Man. Yeah. I, I think what moved me really about your story is that, you know, you're, um, I think at the time I was also at a place where I was really, I mean, we, you know, I was thankfully I've been working with John and Ash for, I mean, I don't, it's now almost 10 years, um, known them for longer, but we've been really pursuing this work, but the pursuit of meaning, meaningful work. Uh, I think it's really, if you, you really are bringing that and, and I don't want to still, uh, or, or tell your story because you're going to tell it so much better. But I think at the heart, if there's a golden thread of, of manufactured good, of Magic City, you're actually providing a platform of meaningful work for guys. And it's creating, you know, it's creating an impact there. 
uh, in, in your city. Yeah, I mean, well, I appreciate that. You know, the stats are against us when we go to work every day. Um, you know, the stats say that 70% of the American workforce, according to Gallup, is completely unengaged when when they go to work. So, you know, just look around your office today and, and, and run the numbers. That's, that's scary stats. As people go into work, you know, we're spending the majority of our adult lives there. And uh, I think, you know, us as, as people of purpose that, you know, especially those who, who are in positions of leadership can, can help skew those numbers and get them right, get them on the, on the other side of that stat. So uh, meaningful work, you know, we're called to work, whether we want to believe it or not. And uh, we can do a lot of meaningful things on a daily basis just by being in the marketplace or eating lunch with somebody, it doesn't matter, or working from the house. Um, yeah, meaningful work is a, uh, it's a calling, I think for us. So how, um, tell it, so, so just to give the, the listeners a little bit more about, I'm, I've, I've not done a great job of, of introducing you. I don't think is, is I could have, but, but it, let's give a little bit of scope of, of what, um, manufactured good is and, um, in Magic City. Well, first of all, can you clarify, are you still operating as two separate brands or is it all rolled up into now what's called manufactured good? Yeah, we, we, we rebranded. So for the listeners out there, Magic City Woodworks was the first name of the organization. And uh, we primarily did woodworking over the years, especially through coronavirus, realized that, um, we actually want to be in the manufacturing business more than we want to be in the kind of onesie twosie woodworking world. So we got into the word, found Genesis of where God was creating the, the, um, our, you know, our world and, and everything in it and everything he created, he said it was good. So that's a nod to Genesis, but it's also, um, manufactured good is, uh, it's a call to everyone that works there. Plus, um, we, uh, I got a FedEx guy here. <laughs> in real life right and um yeah so it is now one brand manufacture good and we 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 create uh, we craft uh, for connections so think tables think you know products for the kitchen you can check it out our products at manufacturegood.org and uh yeah we we've got about 24 people working in our manufacturing company uh, about 24,000 square feet of space in the heart of downtown and um yeah we we get after it trying to build some great products every day yeah so so speak to that a little bit i mean you're you know every every organization or business right you have to get to organizational clarity i'm sure y'all have some sort of mission statement but but it sounds like to me you're you're really in business for what you call apprentices and so you're, you know, and we, whether we kind of tag it as workforce development, I don't really like that word. I don't think that really shapes what you do because you, you really do have a, a kind of a discipleship model that you've kind of built through, through this, this, this work opportunity. Um, and I, I'd like for you to kind of talk about like, what is, what is the, what is the life of an apprentice look like? Like, who are you? Um, the guys that come in, like who who are those guys? How do you find them? 
how are you adding value to them specifically? Just give it a little bit of flavor to that for us. We hire 18 to 35 year old unemployed men that are stuck in a rut. There's a reason that, you know, they have found themselves unemployed and um, we invite them into a, um, a full work week of working with people that care a lot about them. We teach skills, but you know, a lot of people kind of want us to be this like woodworking school or metalworking school. And, and that's not what we do. Um, we're doing what any hopefully solid leaders would do, which is invite people and uh, help them grow. Uh, we want uh, our apprentices to find out what God has for them in their life. So we really do two things. We, when they come in, we, we, we find out where they're at. We meet them where they're at. Um, and either we evangelize through life on life or we disciple, um, but, you know, through life on life interactions. And we've gotten to do both with some. So, Historically, we've had about a hundred apprentices come through. It pre-COVID, um, we were the guys were with us for about six months at a time, so it was very transitional. It was very transitional workforce. But here recently, Ty, what we've been doing is is um, is we figured that some guys need to stay, and uh, for us to become a, a, a you know a really steadfast company, we can't leak all of our talent. So. We're wrestling with who needs to stay, who's, you know, who do we need to introduce to people that we know and love out in the community. And, and right now we're doing both. And that's a weekly, daily conversation that we're having. It's, it's definitely open hand staffing to say the least. So, so do you have, I mean, is, did I hit that right though? Are you guys actually, I mean, a lot, I mean, you have to have this external product, right? And you have to have product market fit, just like any other business. You're, you're marketing a product, you're manufacturing a product, but internally, if we peel the onion, operationally, you're having to put focus on this apprenticeship program. It's a little bit different, right? I mean, you're having to really think through that and bring intentionality. It's not just like a typical HR deal, right? I mean, because if it, you know, if that was the case, you would be hiring guys that weren't quote unquote in a rut. You would be, so you had this development program. So I want to challenge you to kind of don't, don't be shy. I really want to hear mm. how you're leading through that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and I appreciate that. It's uh, um, that, that you see that, you know, I go back to the way I kind I came up um, the fire department it was very similar. You, you, you walk in and you think you have an idea and, and uh, you know, we break down some bad habits on a daily basis that that's 70% number that I talked about. I mean, again, look this stuff up. It's Gallup's reports. Mm -hmm. um, people are being evangelized on a daily basis that work sucks and they don't, you know, people shouldn't enjoy work. And so we're having to undo a lot of that stuff with people you know most of our if they come in at 30 years old they've had five six jobs especially with you know millennial generation gen z generation there's a lot of um of quick job experiences they've had so every day we walk in you know we have this thing called 10 the 10 things that require zero talent and uh you know one of them being on time and others body language 
Uh, another one's being coachable. So we have a soft skills and a hard skills training play to our apprenticeship. Um, and it is very in depth on me finding out where they're at and, um, and then pouring, pouring gas on their strengths because we want them to be in their strengths and then also helping them identify where they need people around them. And so, um, we have a, a measured way of doing that. So we have a six month apprenticeship. We're meeting, we have apprenticeship foremen that are in place. So, uh, we don't just throw them in the wild in the shop. They have a foreman that's there. That's, that's watching them, helping them make sure that they're on track. And then, you know, we're doing things like, um, they're, they're memorizing, you know, our, our greeting, which is welcome to manufacture good or our new company, welcome to full sack firewood. And it's, they're, they're learning how to give tours and they're learning how to, how we take care of our bathrooms. I mean, they're learning all of the soft skills that I think truly make a company special. And then they get into the tool stuff. So, um, it, the trade stuff is great, but our guys, we could put them in a hundred different scenarios and the training we're giving them, we think they'll be successful. Yeah. So there's a lot of language around, I would say a type of business uh, you're in. I, I guess one question I have is that, are you, are you not for profit, for profit? Um, you know, there's a lot of containers and I want mm -hmm. to talk about that. Are you guys, um, you know, whether you call it impact investing or social entrepreneurship, um, how would you, how would you describe, and, and, and you may have your own, but what, what bucket you fit in, in the best? We're in the stewardship bucket and the one we're stewarding is, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we, we, we're 501 C3. We, we have three ways that we capitalize our our organization. One is through sales. We think sales build dignity. Um, so we, you know, we build a couple million dollars worth of furniture a year through the manufacturing and, and company gifts and stuff. And the guys, you know, they, they're joining something that they know they're adding value to. And then the second is, is through, um, is through what we call program related investments, which would be the impact investing side um we work with uh donors as well so it's really three ways that we capitalize it so at, for us the nonprofit is our legal structure but we walk like we talk like we act like a um a small for-profit company and then um when people give they give towards new initiatives or um for better tools so that we can, you know, be more productive. And I've got examples of all three and we've done all three with some of the same people, which is a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's cool. So, um, so what, so I guess you may have answered the question. I mean, when you guys, I'm sure you wrestled with that. Uh, at some point, and I think there's a lot of people that may resonate that would listen um, to this podcast that are trying to kind of figure out they know they know that, you know, they've got more in them than just a profit motive. Um, mm -hmm. 
They also know that from a value proposition standpoint, they have to, str they struggle to blend, um, you know, they're, that kind of find that intersection of, of purpose and profits is the way we like to say it. Um, and I think legally, when you go through that process, like you're trying to decide, because I think the advantage of being able to take donations is, is significant. Um, I mean, we would like to think that, you know, that that's not the, the, the full heart of, of giving or to, to, to be able to have that uh, mm -hmm. contribution, if you will, but, but it is something to it. So I, I would love to like kind of hear you talk about that, that process as you, your formation um, and how you came to the arrive, like, Hey, I, it's best for us to be a nonprofit versus just a for-profit venture. Well, yeah, yeah, going back to my story when I started, I had no business background. I had no, um, I was a brand new Christian. It was 2013 when we started. And somebody told me we should be a nonprofit. And I was like, game on. We're going to be a nonprofit. Like, what do we need to do? Let's get it done. And so through, and then I, you know, then I get involved with Praxis in 2016 and I'm hearing all these well-formulated thoughts and strategies from my peers that I was going through with. And they're, you know, they've got their Harvard MBAs and I'm thinking, man, I'm in the wrong room. So there was very little thought to how that went into starting a nonprofit versus a for-profit. I knew I just wanted to change, change the game for some some men and and I knew God was going to work on me the entire time and so here we are um you know 10 years later and uh last year maybe the year before I really struggled with that to be quite honest um I was watching friends you know start to sell companies and I'm hearing all these people talk about all this strategy and of you know, getting that acquired and, and it just, the, me and the Lord really spent a lot of time together and, and, uh, I've been learning a lot about stewardship, a couple of stories that impacted me for those that are getting hung up on it. Um, the Barnhart, Alan Barnhart story. Uh, have you seen that Ty? I haven't, but I'd like to hear it. So I, I'm not going to tell you the story. You have to look it up. Alan Barnhart, the Barnhart crane story. Yeah, look that up, and I, I do know that story. I just didn't know the name, but I yeah, I, they're in they're in Memphis, and I thought, all right, that's stewardship. And then uh, I've got a ton of amazing mentors that um, have helped me realize that um, stewardship is the only way, and it's all heart condition. It's like generosity. So. Um, I think, I think that people need to just really make sure that their heart's in the right place. And, um, when they're, if you're in a for-profit, great, rock on, make money, do, do good with your money, be good steer, treat your employees well. You know, if you're in a for non-profit, great, do the same thing. Like now I think, you know, <laughs> you kind of opened up something for me because um, I'm going to say something that might be somewhat provocative because, um, and I this isn't a well-old thought, but it's worth saying. I I actually struggle right like with the word entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think I think we 
like I overall, like I think like any kind of, you know, identity, it can have, you can, you can be, it can have negative connotations, but I think that word's gotten misused and in the sense that now we think of entrepreneurship as, Hey, it's, it's really, it's really about the exit, you know, it's yeah. about, it's about impact. And uh, since you mentioned it, I'm going to throw a, you know, I was actually listening to uh, Andy, uh, a podcast with Andy Crouch in it. Mm -hmm. And something that he said resonated with me for this con this conversation is this, there's really, there's really a distinct difference between impact and influence. And, and, and when we, I think so often we're so coerced with the idea of, you know, making money, um, using charisma, uh, whatever it may be to make, you know, a, and he, he, he had this analogy where he clapped, right. If I, if I clap and I come together with really quick force, I can make a sound with my hands, but that's, that's impact. Right. But, but influence is different. You know, Jesus didn't use money or charisma. Matter of fact, if you, you know, if we think about like how Isaiah described him, it said that he had no quality. It would be attractive. He, he actually built influence over time and he did it through friendship. Right. He said when he looked at the disciples, he called them friends. Well, friendships require proximity and requires relationship, requires tension mm -hmm. and those things over time. And I think I didn't realize, actually, even as you're saying that you had started the business in 2013, which is really kind of a testament to you. I mean, this is almost 10 years. So a 10 year, you know, a 10 year cycle sticking with it long period of time you've built influence have gone been able to go deep with a hundred apprentices um which is quite it's quite amazing so i resonate with what you're saying and i think it's challenging you know when we think about entrepreneurship as just uh because i think we get caught up in the velocity of of money really a lot yeah. of times we talk about this a lot you know most of our listeners are in the real estate space and so and um, and we talk about how like just the metrics of a lot of times that we, how we measure economic returns and time horizons create this force that's uh, that's often it, it's it goes against a lot of times um, the ability to make positive influence in our communities. Mm -hmm. We might can make impact with short term impact, but that's different than influence that's generational change. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's good. Um, so with that, with that said, I mean, what, so how do you guys, I mean, I know um, as far as measuring success at, at, uh, at manufactured good, I mean, do you guys track in these three, these three items that you, that you kind of just pulled out out of your stewardship bucket um, what are some of the things that, how do y'all measure? Like, what are some of the things you measure at Manufactured Good? Yeah, we're doing Pete Oaks is, is a, uh, Pete Oaks, for those who, who don't know Pete, Enterprise Stewardship is the name of his, uh, his new course we're doing. It's called High Impact Business, but we are running his play. So we're, 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 we are installing that system and 
uh, we're measuring everything off the triple bottom line. So um, economic, social, and spiritual capital. And so we, we form our KPIs through those three, um, those three types of capital. And we do it on a you know yearly, quarterly, monthly, weekly basis, and uh, that's it's 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 pretty impressive what he's built, and uh, we're trying our best to implement it and track everything. So y'all actually, I we yeah, I love Pete, and uh, we we've been uh, promoters of Pete's uh, social, spiritual, economic capital for a while. As far as the way he measures it, thing like. Especially the thing that really resonated with me that made, you know, as far as measuring, we, um, you know, how he breaks it up into, you know, social and spiritual is hard on the output side. It's easier to measure inputs and define the inputs versus the outputs. It's always been something that stuck with me. But I know now just for the those that don't know, Pete, Pete's actually ventured off. He's uh, he's actually has has started, um, I guess it's a consulting kind of mm-hmm. arm of his book and so as it sounds like you guys have we're in it participated yeah in that. that's awesome that's really cool yeah and it's um uh, i'll tell you spiritual tracking spiritual stuff is way harder than i thought um hmm. and it's it is um we were talking about today at, at the office so uh social capital it's not just like giving employees swag and pizza parties. It's like um, deep connections, like doing, doing the stuff that we love with people that we love, like that building those relationships. um, Our mantra this year is a promise made creates hope, but a promise kept creates trust and how our social capital is, is how do we, how do we, Pete's really challenged us to think about, creating more trust with all of our employees, you know, the 20, 24 people that work there. So for example, like one of our guys has spinal bifida, he's wheelchair bound. Well, I opened my mouth and I said, we're going to make all of our buildings ADA um, friendly for, I mean, you're a real estate audience. Yeah. You know what that requires. Right. And got to call on some of our partners. Um, shout out to Brassfield and Gory. They show up with tool belts on and, they make a, a heck of a wheelchair ramp, turns out. And uh, that was social capital, which I wouldn't have had a word for that before we started to measure it. And so, you know, in our quarterly rocks and our quarterly goals, everybody's got social capital, like whether that's, in, you know, me inviting you and your family over to eat or, you know, us having a happy hour once a week with our key staff, like, that that's been something that's been a lot of fun in the economic measures, uh, which was not my jam to start with, but, um, that it's helped us tremendously because a lot of times we can focus on just the social and spiritual. Um, but we're wanting to be in the marketplace and add a lot of value and, and build a, a company that, you know, has equity and, and, and is, is in the black and so measuring that's been a lot of fun but it's been hard at the same time yeah um so how much of the time like like as far as your time Lawrence you you started out you were you were in the probably mm-hmm. you're in the business 
And I think now you've transitioned. Obviously, if you've got, you've got 24 guys that are coming in, um, talk about – I mean, I think if there was anything, a theme in this podcast um, that I think I would like listeners to, to take is I think you've been really good at building a culture. And um, so talk about building culture specifically in an organization that does not necessarily prioritize. You have a profit motive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got, you've got to like, like, you, I guess what came to mind is you're talking about your foreman, right? So the, the, the avatar of a foreman at manufactured good. Yeah. I'm going to look the same as one on the floor of most manufacturing facilities. So I'd just be curious, like talk about building culture and, and some of the things you're doing there. You, well, you got me pegged. I mean, that's what I love. Um, I think culture starts slipping when leaders stop leading. And so I spend half my time on the floor with our leaders and uh, collaborating with them, listening to them, lots of meals together. Um, and then about the 30% of my time, I'm, you know, with our, our, you know, our controller and our COO and, and, and we're doing things like, you know, revamping our website, trying to, trying to build that, you know, that next big goal for our team. And then um, the other is, is external, you know, and externally, um, I got a long way to go, but we're trying to build deep, solid relationships with people that need our products or, you know, want to help, help us with capital. Um and yeah, I mean that's a it's a big chunk of my time as I spend with our team out on the floor. I, I I've I've overcorrected in the past where I've spent too much time or too little time, but lately that's that's kind of the breakdown. Um, our foreman is one of my favorite people in the world. Hmm. He uh the, the the shop foreman we've got and then we've got we've got three foremen total, but. I spend so much of my time with our shop foreman because every day there's a risk for us to turn into just another workshop and uh, just having heart level conversations is it's, it's the lifeblood for us to make sure that it's getting driven all the way through the award. Yeah, I think um, I'm actually, my, I've got a standing desk. I'm standing there right now that was built yeah. by manufacturer good. And, um, uh, now, I remember when we were going, looking at it, there was something, and I don't know if it was on your website or, but it was a phrase and I, and I, it stuck with me that you guys do the hard work, not just the hard work. And I thought that was a cool, mm-hmm. I think it's a cool tag. Um, so what are you, what are you looking forward to the most as far as like the future of manufactured good? You guys have any mm-hmm. new ideas, new products that you guys are excited about? Yeah, venture building comes to mind. We we launched our second company um, a year and a half ago called Full Stack Firewood. We're, we're doing a boutique white glove firewood delivery service. We're we're utilizing tree service wood, and I don't know about y'all, but buying I don't think buying firewood should be hard. Um, but <laughs> I don't know what it's like in Opelika, but in Birmingham, it's hard. Yeah. It's like you John's yeah. got sources, but he doesn't share them. Right. Like 
Yeah. What's up, John? Like, what, right. what, you got to share your sources, brother. But, yeah. You know, for us, we, we wanted to, we think getting into some commodity businesses um, is, is an interesting thing. Our goal over the next few years is to have 100 full-time employees. Um, our, right now, I'm really excited to walk into our manufacturing company and see that 70% of our full-time employees were once apprentices. Um, now they're full-time, you know, growing families, they're buying houses, they've got insurance. Um, that's exciting. And I want that number to grow tremendously. And you know, I can drive around town and see our guys, you know, we've got guys that we sent out to the construction world and we've got guys that, you know, write code for some major banks. It's, We've seen, we've gone to baptisms, we've gone to weddings, we've gone to, you know, in fact, right before this podcast, you know, our first apprentice ever, Demetrius, was calling me, you know, I have to call him back. Like, yeah. we, we're trying to grow that network and um, it's seeing, I mean, all three of our foremen were apprentices and it, it it's a lot of fun. Um, we're hopefully going to get, I'd love that for us to have a couple more businesses started in the next few years, um, all under that, all under a nonprofit um, umbrella, a jam up leadership team still intact and, and grow that. And uh, yeah, just, I, I would love it if um, we were so profitable that we could just bless the socks off of all of our employees and, and give to other organizations and, uh, that's our goal every day we walk in is uh, to drive those three types of capital. So again, I mean, you're, you're looking to build ventures that, that have, again, just continue to create meaningful employment and opportunities for guys. And uh, you've built a platform, I would say, that's got this, this culture and you're just looking for, basically it's just building new verticals and yeah. uh, brands that you guys are doing that. And, yeah, the firewood. I wish I'd have known. Um, yeah, y'all actually delivered some furniture to my house like not long ago. I should have. I'm gonna send you a bag, brother. We uh, yeah, yeah we, we're doing these big bags. It's it's uh, you won't want to burn anything else. It's uh, okay, man. He's running out, man. You're gonna have to hurry. Hey, we're we're already packing. Uh, we've been packing. Excuse me, we've been packing. Uh, since december for next fall wow we sold out we sold out way too fast this past year and we also you know deliver to a handful of restaurants and it's a uh, it's fire fire you know this is the fire i mean i'm supposed to be a fireman here i am promoting building fires but um fires bring people together they are a a really a sacred thing if you think about it and uh it's a fun product to make with yeah. trees that we're going to go to the dump, you know, and it's just, it's, it's astounding how many trees fall every day, you know, from the, from our friends over at the tree services that have to take them out. So yeah, it's, it's good. Keep watching that thing. Full stack firewood. Tables and fire. I like it. it does. <laughs> um, so we, we, we do this at the end of every podcast. We have three questions. Um, that we like to ask of everybody. So the first one is, who do you know that we should know? Um, who's doing good work out there that that you wanna you wanna give a shout out to? 
Well, a couple come to mind. Uh, I love what Generous Life's doing. Generous Life is – have you heard of them, Ty? They, uh, they're up in – it started in New York. It's kind of – it's similar to Generous Giving. Um, but Generous Life puts on some amazing expeditions. I actually went on a hog hunt in West Texas with those guys the other day. And um, you you can get on their lists and go on trips and, and just be challenged in the way you think about generosity. And um, I think they've got five cities that they're focusing on doing this thing called Generosity Birmingham, Generosity Nashville. Um, Jeff and Logan and their team's amazing. And then a friend here in town, unless you, they have a, a college experience. Her name's Lindy Cleveland. She's actually going through practice right now, but um, they have an organization that serves uh, individuals with um, developmental and intellectual disabilities, and they have a college uh, experience for them. And they've started a social enterprise called Unless You Scoops, where they do boutique ice cream. And it's a it's a cool thing that uh, my wife and I are excited to to help support and 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 share about. So. Those are two that come to mind. Other than the third is is refuge. You you heard about refuge? Um, well, I've heard some. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's the same one. So I'm gonna let you. Are we talking about the coffee shop and and? and we we'll love refuge coffee. Yeah, uh, they're, they're amazing. Refuge is a it's a a place out in. A, there's two places. One's in Montana. One's in Wyoming. My brother-in-law was a guide there and. I got to go out there and they help, they help people find rest in a season when they need rest and, and, uh, and had a good time when I got to go out there. And so, um, yeah, I mean, those are, there's three right there for you. Good. So, so where, where have you been that we should go? I don't know if you're well-traveled, but I'm sure you've got some good ones. Well, I, I would say, um, let me think here. Where have I been? Now y'all travel. I know y'all. Y'all y'all get around. Um I'm really I'm really enjoying getting to go out west. I think uh I think going on a trip with people with no service is a lot of fun. Um got to go on a trip last fall where right when we hit a dirt road, they said, Hey, you're gonna lose service in 30 minutes. And just watching people part with their phones was pretty incredible for <laughs> yeah. five days and that was one is uh, yeah ghost that's my answer go somewhere where there's no service and uh download the podcast before you go how about that and then listen to it there but no jokes aside man get get out there get away from your phone i, I need to do that more and more you know we've got a one-year-old and a four-year-old and life is crazy and uh work's always there and just remembering to to abide with god and and get alone and just be quiet man I just feel like I'm rushing through life most of the time. Oh yeah. No, it's it's so true. The um phone phone sabbaths, um the you know, I I we actually read a book that I recommend for families called Habits of the Household by a guy named Justin Earley. And uh he talked about this it's basically the whole book's about how habits become liturgy, essentially. And um we um and the phone in a lot of ways becomes the liturgy of hey um you know something needs me right so 
you know, if I wake up in the morning, this first thing I look at. So I've had to create a habit to where I take a time before in the morning where I can't look at my phone. Um, I heard others that do phone Sabbaths where they, you know, I think I think all that stuff being tech uh, tech aware is uh, is important. So I mean, I'm I'm, I'm resonating. Um, so last is what have you read re- recently uh, that we should read? I don't know if you should read it, but I've been le- learning about lean manufacturing. Lean manufacturing really is is interesting. Um, I'm a nerd in the in the shops. So I think about the way things are laid out, but what I realize is it's um, it's a principle. It's one of those principles. It's kind of like stewardship and generosity. Well, I'll say this: lean is tied to to stewardship, and it's tied to respecting people. And so, the Toyota way is all about um, how Toyota Motors got their start and how they they learned and adapted their knowledge from the American assembly line and I, you know, just how they've created a workforce and changed the game. And it's, it's really interesting how they break it down. And there's a kind of an Americanized version and the guy, he's this guy named Paul Akers that started fast cap, um, kind of get a niche, you know, cabinetry product, but they make all kinds of things, but his website's got, like fastcap.com, uh, I think it's he's got all these free resources. He's basically got a training library to help people think about being more efficient, more effective, um, empower your employees uh, to think that's that's something. And um, it's 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 pretty interesting. I, I, I think we could apply it to a lot of industries and even the way like I lay out my garage it's 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 really helped me think about um being more efficient yeah yeah you know it's funny i i used to you know when i that that point for those that don't know toyota way is actually it's not a new book it's actually Mm -hmm. quite uh it's been around a while and uh and it's crossed over industries um you know i remember 10 years ago in construction you know many were trying to apply lean manufacturing to construction um, and and many have successfully i mean if you go into a lot of big job sites today there's going to be flavors of those processes um but i think what's interesting about lean you know the you're talking about the soft skills right there's a soft skill component to leadership that doesn't work that, that lean doesn't work without you know, you have to have, you have to have an empathy. You have to have empathy and be able to ask good questions because it's, it requires a full process, right? What's needed from me for the guy down the line. And, um, and the reason why it was, I think it's had an impact on the construction industry specifically is because our industry. So it's so fragmented, you know, if you think, Hey, the guy, the electrician needs something from the HVAC guy, vice versa. So getting all those guys in the room and be able to do that. So anyway, I I, I did. I, I read the Toyota way. Uh, it's been a while, but um, but yeah, man, it's it's good stuff. Well, Lawrence, I can't thank you enough for for joining us, and um, you know, for all our listeners out there that uh, want to know more about manufactured good, you can you can find him. We'll have it in the show notes.
Um, guys, if you need tables or desks or uh, there's many products, I mean, these guys are amazing, doing great work. Um, you know, Lawrence is, like I said at the beginning, somebody I've looked up to since we've met. Um, I think he's, um, man, he's, he's planting seeds faithfully in the hearts of men and a uh, hundred apprentices, man, that's worth celebrating. That's, that's just amazing. Um, and, um, he's, he's loving his, uh, he's loving his place and he's loving people and making an impact. So, man, thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us. Thanks, Ty. Thanks for listening, y'all.